The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We'd really love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Into Action. When we take action in our lives, powerful and positive changes begin to happen. In fact, action is essential to addiction recovery and spiritual growth. In scripture, we read, faith without works is dead, and many of us have experienced apathy and detachment when we don't, quote, move our feet on the recovery path. Today, we want to share our experience strength, and hope on learning how to take effective action and build a vibrant life. Yes, so we want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in all of our experience and sharing that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from apathy to vibrant life through the principle of living the truth that we know. Yes, and of course that's uh, Unity's fifth principle. We're taking a a page from that, living the truth that we know, uh, applying spiritual principles. So what does apathy look like for me? Mm, Well, it looks like uh, kind of an endless seemingly endless pattern of, of doing the same things over and over, you know, get, I, I, I'd heard it said uh, somewhere in a song, the, the rut that I'm in had once been a groove. And um, I know what that is like to go from, um, you know, just kind of bumping along, doing okay in life. And then all of a sudden I would find myself, um, you know, like any addiction, I suppose, just sort of going going through the motions almost not being engaged that's a that's a big part of it i mean looking back it's not like there was anything wrong with what i was doing or not doing i mean granted yes i was drinking a lot but i was going to work and had a family and you know doing my best to take care of things and and whatnot but um you know internally i was definitely in a rut so apathy looks to me like um, doing the same thing over and over and not really making an effort to uh, do anything new or different. Huh, that's interesting. Okay, so I was so young when I got sober that I didn't really have a chance to experience that. You know, I wasn't doing anything long enough to to have that sort of, you know, I was 24 years old. How much of a rut could I have been in? <laughs> 
you know, but when I think of apathy, I think more of um, the lack of meaning and purpose that I had in my life or maybe even misplaced purpose. Um, so because I didn't have any spiritual grounding or any kind of spiritual practice or anything in my life, I derived all of my purpose and meaning from achievement. You know, I've shared about this many times. Um, I was in graduate school at the time that I got clean and sober. And so my life was about um, achieving. You know, I was very career driven and academic driven. And that's what I gained purpose from, you know, it was like the next thing that I'm going to achieve. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that I didn't have a spiritual basis to any of it. You know what I'm saying? So um, what I would call apathy was just not not having. Um, I can only compare it to what I have now, which is that my spirituality, my spiritual growth, my relationship with God um, is is the driving force in my life. And everything in my life is in service to that. Right. So when I didn't have that, I, I was plagued by a sense of meaninglessness and um, just, you know, spiritual emptiness, let's say. Just, you know, we, we talk about being spiritually bankrupt. <clears throat> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, I know what you mean. I know that experience as well. You know, what I'm uh, remembering is that, so I was saying that I would you know, I would still be doing things. And if one were to see my life from the outside, I don't know that, you know, it looked like particularly anything was wrong. You know, I wasn't getting in fights. I wasn't getting arrested. And I was leading a seemingly uh, respectable life. And really, in many ways, I was. The, yeah. the issues, of course, are internal, right? Not external as much, yeah. at least for me at that time. I'm sure they would have become external if I, right, exactly. if I kept going, you know. But what I realized is that the reason that I was kind of not being able to break out of familiar paths is because I was only willing to put in minimal effort. That's the phrase that jumped to mind, you know, like minimal effort to keep important things from falling apart. That doesn't yeah. mean, you know, I wasn't doing exactly a great job, say, you know, keeping up with work around the house or whatever. I was definitely providing minimal effort because... <laughs> me at least, you know, a big part of my addiction path and experience is kind of hiding out from the world, right? It's, it's an mm -hmm. escape. It was an escape for me. And so I would much rather be in, in you know, the escape cave or whatever than to be, um, you know, cutting the grass or doing whatever, you know, painting the shutters or things I right. don't really like to do. Yeah. And so minimal effort is a, a good way to describe uh, that state of inertia or apathy that, uh -huh. I, that I couldn't break out of. I didn't, you know, I just didn't want to do much yeah. that I didn't have to. Yeah. So are you saying that you're not like that anymore? Because <laughs> I was going to say, this is yes. one of those things where I can't exactly say that this has totally changed because I still have... Um, an avoidance or procrastination around things that I don't want to do, you know? Well, I, I'm not free from procrastination, but yes, it is completely different because I do take care of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oil I'm, gets I'm joking, but... Needs to get changed. License plates are not expired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Repairs on the house get done. 
No, it's just we're always joking about how we talk about this first section as if it were totally in the past, right? This is how I used to be. At all anymore. No, I mean, you know, my life is more or less in order as well. And, you know, things are not expired and such, but I definitely still have um, an avoidance of things that it's not things that I don't want to do. It's things that are really uncomfortable for me for whatever reason. You know, it's like certain like phone calls or, you know, just there's things that I don't know if this is an addict trait or if this is just being human. But there are even sometimes seemingly small tasks that seem insurmountable to me. You know, it's like I cannot bring myself to make that phone call or to pay that, not pay that bill, but you know what I'm saying? Just these, there's so many things in life. And, and so I end up causing myself more problems by not doing it than if I had just done. And then sometimes when I finally go ahead and do it, I'm like, what was the big deal? It's not the task (laughs) itself. There's some sort of psychological, like, block where I just I feel like I cannot accomplish that task I don't know if that's an anxiety it's a depression thing in my experience because I I know that experience very well and somewhere I read about it and that kind of helped clarify it for me and what the author called it and I don't know this is any kind of official term or whatever but the author called it the impossible task like putting the laundry away it is not a difficult thing but if I'm in a depressed state, it can seemingly and in reality be impossible. Yeah. The impossible task for me, that's a... Have you had that experience? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Yeah. Um, absolutely, yes. And, and it, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's like adulting is hard because when, when you're adulting, as we all are, um, these tasks sort of present themselves frequently. And, yes. and it's not that I don't have, like, motivation because I can do other things. You know, I can do a super tough workout or I can get very jazzed about a project that I'm really into and bring a lot of energy to it. All the while, there's this other little thing over here that really wouldn't require, it seems like it wouldn't require that much to get it done. And yet I cannot for the life of me, I can't even approach it, you know? Yeah, I think you're right that there's some uh, depression and um, anxiety issues around that. And also I even read somewhere that, Folks that have, I don't know, some of the various things that a lot of us have, you know, low-grade chronic depression, anxiety, ADD, stuff like that, which we probably are all diagnosable. I know I probably am. Um, that there's an executive functioning issue, too, where our, like, our brain, executive functioning is where the brain plans out, like, the steps it needs to take to do something. And there's, like, a breakdown where it seems like an easy task, but our we just somehow cannot figure out how to begin to do it. So anyway, there's a lot of different things that um, we suffer from. And, you know, that's something that is still can be an issue for me. Um, That would definitely add up to apathy. I mean, we're talking about apathy. That's like a recipe for apathy. And yes, all those things I I can identify with. All I have to wonder if there's an aspect of self-sabotage to it also, because I get myself into so much trouble (laughs) not doing certain tasks that really, you know, like I end up creating a hundred times more work for myself than if I would just sit down and do the thing. I've I've noticed, and for me, maybe around some of that is that 
I'm making things so they're not boring. <laughs> We're creating you our own drama. You, you put something off long enough, and now it's actually exciting and engaging because you know, you know what? There may be something to that. Well, and there is. I can say that. I don't know about anybody else. Well, I think it has to do with, you know, being um, addicts that we get used to a very high level of, you know, anxiety and, you know, pressure. And, and we, I tend to, you know, sometimes actually function better when I'm under pressure. You know, like if I've got two weeks to do something, I'm like, but if it's due in five minutes, then all of a sudden, man, I'm on it and I can really bring it in those last few minutes, you know, but I think there is, you know, at least for me, sort of an addiction, like you said, to the drama, to the, you know, creating that pressurized system. And I think it comes from, you know, getting used to being, you know, our brains sort of get used to being in that altered state when something's really down to the wire. It is. It's like, it's like my brain is going, well, I can't drink or smoke or do anything anymore, but let's create some of our own chemicals internally, you know? Well, I am sitting here. Uh, I, I, I have a video I need to make for a church service. I've known about this for six or eight weeks. It's due today. It's it's 5.15 p.m. in my time zone right now. And I'm like, I have till midnight. I've known about this for six or eight weeks. Oh, I feel so much better when you share that because, honestly, because I'm not the only one. You oh, know? no, and absolutely I'm not... not. I suspect a lot of folks who are listening to us now are like, yep. Yeah. That. And it's totally not that we aren't capable or that we aren't responsible, upstanding citizens. It's just there's certain things like this that um, continue to plague me. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. It's a, it's almost like we the characteristics of alcoholics. You know, we're we're smart, we're motivated, we're incredibly good looking. I don't know. <laughs> I over the radio. Ladies. But yeah, I mean, there's something about that. I, I'm not a scientist or a physician, you know, no psychiatrist, but in my experience, it certainly seems like there's something about that. But let's shift gears. You know how we, we certainly need to acknowledge the challenge, tell our story, but then it's, there's always comes a time to move into the solution. Yeah. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principle that sort of relates to what we're talking about today and that has helped us move out of that apathy and into a vibrant life is really unity's fifth principle, which states that it's not enough for us to just understand these spiritual teachings, meaning the four prior principles you know we must actually live them we must live the truth that we know yeah that phrase live the truth we know and then of course the question becomes how do i live a truth what does it mean to live a spiritual truth and how how do we practice these principles in all our affairs you know that's straight out of the recovery literature that's exactly what we're talking about how do we live a spiritual principle? Michelle, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. I knew you were going to ask me. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I talked in the last segment about, what, you know, the apathy being a lack of purpose in life. And so now I have a very purpose-driven life. So 
Um, now, you know, that my life is based on spiritual principles and that um, my my true purpose in life is to is to, you know, know myself better, understand myself better, have a closer and better relationship with the God of my understanding. All things in my life um, are in service to that purpose. So that helps me to take effective action because um, potential actions are always weighed against that purpose. Does that make sense? It's like it's easier for me to determine what is mine to do because I know that um, I know that my life has a thrust. It has a direction. It's all um, a spiritual purpose and a spiritual direction in my life. So if something that is proposing itself is contrary to that or isn't in alignment with that, then it's easier for me to determine that that's not an action I need to take. Does that make sense? It does. And, and it is. And, you know, the, the uh, one thing I love about, uh, our recovery community program and approach is that it's a design for living, right? It, it, it's a it's a spiritual um, framework, if you will, for living uh, an effective life, a happy life, yes. you know, one that um, is healthy, I might say, a healthy life. And to me, when we talk about what does it mean to live a principle, um, when I hear that, I'm thinking about action, right? So I'm not just thinking it, right? This is not meditation and prayer. This is after I've done meditation and prayer, what am I doing in the world and with other people? What action am I taking? What does it mean to take effective action? Right. Uh, for me, and, and the phrase that I always use with this principle, which in its... Um, core form states it's you know basically it's not enough to just know this stuff we have to live it right but it doesn't say anything about how to live it right so i, I always add in loving service to the world that to yeah. me is a guiding statement so to me it, it it's not enough to know it i need to live it through loving service to the world what does that mean well it can be as simple as literally just taking responsibility for myself right well, which means answering that question, asking and answering, what is my part in this? You know, that comes up in our step work, asking what is my part in this? And that, you know, sometimes that was easy for me to see and sometimes it was quite difficult. And I, I had to kind of grow into the um, realization, maybe I'll call it, where asking what my part in it is not about assigning blame right i had to kind of it was hard for me to conceive of answering that question without somehow making it about someone either i did something wrong or they did something wrong or what have you but that's not what i have that's not what i've come to understand that that is asking what my part in a dynamic could be that i keep showing up for it maybe the other person is a bad actor and and 99 you know 100 out of 100 friends would agree yeah. well guess what if i'm still showing up that's my part in it yeah right so it's not about them it's like what am i doing what do i need to do differently so effective action for me can be as simple as um always being open and willing to take responsibility for my own part in any dynamic and that 
about it's not it's not figuring out who's to blame it's figuring out what is my role what is what are my steps in this dance yeah. right there's a dance going on here that takes two people what is my what am i doing so that i found that helpful yeah gosh there's so much in what you just said um i'm trying to decide what direction i want to go in um i was going to say that you know, in terms of what effect, effective action is, so much of life I have found is just about suiting up and showing up, right? So basically what that means to me is um, participating in life, staying actively engaged in life. So that would be the opposite of sort of what we were talking about before, right? Withdrawing and yeah, being in that right. inertia. So this is staying engaged. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't times that we need to withdraw and take time and that type of thing. But it means in the long run, we're staying engaged with the process. And for those of us in recovery, that also means staying engaged with recovery, staying engaged with, um, you know, with the process of spiritual growth and, um, you know, uh, that for me, that my whole life really comes down to my own spiritual growth and development. And you were talking about, you know, obviously service to others. So that is my service to others in a lot of ways is by doing my own work, right? Doing my own growth and recovery, keeping my side of the street clean, keeping myself as healthy as possible so that I may be in service to others. Um, and so that's suiting up and showing up. So some days, you know, I can take lots of action and do all kinds of amazing, wonderful things. And some days I have to just suit up and show up. And that's okay, you know. So we also love this uh, saying on this program about um, doing the next right thing, as we yeah. say in the program, or as we've dubbed it, doing the next indicated thing. So a lot of times in life, it's just what is in front of me now? What is the what is the best and highest thing I can do right now? You know, and like yesterday, that was take a self-care day and take care of myself so that I don't become a crazy person that's terrorizing my family. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so that was the, that was the indicated thing, you know, today I got up, you know, and I'm doing this program. And so it's like a, it's not getting too far, not, simplifying things not getting too far ahead of myself and too out there about what the purpose of it all is but allowing life to indicate to me what is what's mine to do next and when I stay in that as much as possible it's not that I don't plan or ever think about the future but when I mostly try and stay with what's happening now and let the future work itself out that's worked really well for me for a really long time because worrying about the future never got me anywhere except yeah. sleepless nights, right? Um, but when I'm plugged in to a recovery program, when I'm plugged into my higher power, when I'm doing a spiritual practice that keeps me more or less in touch, God or the universe <laughs> or life or however you want to call it, just keeps putting what I need to do in front of me and I don't really have to worry about it. It that next indicated thing keeps getting indicated to me, <laughs> you know? And so um, in terms of taking effective action, it's suiting up and showing up and being awake and aware and being willing to do what is indicated next. Yeah. I, I, and it, in my experience, for, it takes practice. 
Uh right? So I had this experience yesterday. Um, We have this older car that our son drives, and uh, we wanted to get it painted because it'll last a long time. It's got low miles, good engine, but paint issues. So I thought, well, let's just go see what that might be like. So the guy who was helping us was great. And he's looking at it and he said, well, there's a dent here. I'm like, where is the dent? I don't see a dent. And he shows me where it is. And like, oh, I see it. And he's like calling these things out. Boom, boom, boom. Here's another one. Here's one here. I'm like, wait a second. So I sort of slowly got in tune. And then all of a sudden now I'm seeing them. Where I didn't see them before. That's what my experience of doing the next right thing is, the next indicated thing. There was a time when it was like a big mystery. What? You know, what am I supposed to do? I always thought it needed to be something grand. You know, the next right thing is never write a novel. Right. The next thing is put this fork in the dish. In my experience, it really is that simple. And, you know, I'm reminded how, from what you were sharing, that we... We, in this way of living, for for those of us in recovery, we have, as our literature says, a daily reprieve, right, based on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. This is, in a very real sense, a life and death issue. Now, I am doing what is indicated, and I don't feel like my life is in danger now, but I am well aware that that could change if I don't keep up with the maintenance of my spiritual condition. I'm more than happy to do it. It's almost like, you know, at first it's like, oh, I have to go to a meet, I have to go to meetings. And then over time that shifts to, yeah, I get to go to meetings. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like this. Like if I had some kind of dire fatal disease and I went to the doctor and the doctor said, look, if you go to the gym for an hour, four times a week. You should go every day for the first three months. But if you go four times a week to the gym for an hour, you're going to be fine. I mean, who's going to look at you and say, oh, that's so sad. I mean, you're going to look amazing, right? If I go to the gym, (laughs) I mean, like, man, check it out. You know, this is not a burden. This is a wonderful thing. So the, the have to with the spiritual condition Uh, can have very quickly turned into what a blessing this is that I quote have to do this but let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation we hope that you'll stay with us Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. 
So prior to the break, we were discussing our experience of apathy and sort of inertia. And then we moved into talking about uh, Unity's um, fifth principle and the taking effective action, uh, living the truth that we know. So now let's talk about how living the truth we know has helped us to move from that apathy into a vibrant life. Well, one of the first things that comes to mind for me when I think about what is a vibrant life is variety. Yes. Right? And because we talked before about that uh, feeling of just generally being stuck in a rut in a broad sense in life, that's kind of the opposite of variety, you know, trying new things, driving a different way home, um, you know, maybe trying a different restaurant or a different uh, menu item at the same restaurant or just something, you know, something yeah. to mix it up. Lately, what I've taken to doing is, um, you know, I work from home, so I'm home a lot. I don't mind being home, but I will go out and walk around the block, you know, just for no reason. Like to the best way to conceive of that I thought of is when I used to smoke, you know, it would be like when I would take a cigarette break, but I don't smoke anymore. So I can just walk around the block. It takes 10 minutes, short block, 15 minutes. And even if it's really warm, so I live in the South, right? And it's nothing to be, for it to be 95 degrees, but the house is air conditioned. So I'll go, I don't mind, I'll walk around the block, um, mostly in the sun, there is some shade. And even if it's warm out and it's kind of, a, um, it's a it's a welcome change. It's variety. That's yeah. my point here. It's it's mm -hmm. variety, and I never would have done that before. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um. I had an experience in early sobriety where I felt an opening up happen within me, where um I realized how rigid and limited I had been before, and all of a sudden I felt free to try new things and um stuff that I'd been too um in. Uh, didn't have the confidence um, or the adventurous spirit to try before. And so, you know, and I'm thinking this was like maybe around two years of sobriety, like let's say from maybe two to four around there, I, I was like trying all these new things and it just, I can't explain it except that I felt like the world had opened up to me. And I think part of it was because I wasn't expending so much of my energy figuring out what I was going to drink and with whom and where and how I was going to get. I mean, so much of my energy had gone towards uh, arranging my drinking and maintaining my drinking and everything that I felt like I had so much freed up energy. And I was able to do all these new things. It was really cool. And that sort of stayed with me, that kind of adventurous spirit and that feeling of confidence, like I can try new things and I can go and do things. And um, so I agree with you. I love variety, you know, doing lots of different things. I mean, as they say, variety is the spice of life. So um, that's one way that we keep our life vibrant is by not getting stagnant, you know, and um yeah, just trying new things and being open to that. And I can't really explain why I wasn't able to do those things before, but that was definitely a wonderful, it was like a blossoming in me that happened. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was definitely sobriety. I don't know if you experienced anything like that with getting sober. It may have been a function of my age as well. I'm not sure, but. Um, 
I did. I mean, I, I felt like a lot of energy. I recovered yes. a lot of energy that had yeah. been used up or covered up or tamped down or whatever, you know, because of my uh, active addiction. Yeah. And I have a lot of hobbies now. Well, I don't know if I have a lot of hobbies. I am. I like to get into new things. I like to learn stuff. Mm -hmm. I like to learn how things work. Uh, just in recently, the the three that come to mind, and these are all in the last couple of years, I learned to make guitar amplifiers wow. from scratch. I've played wow. the guitar for many years, electric guitar in the past, and man, I got way into it, and I know it now I can do it. It was fun. I haven't done it so much lately. I've got too many guitar amplifiers. I don't need I don't need another guitar amplifier, so I'm not building anymore, but that was fun. I recently got into uh, smoking meats, you know, ribs and... Not like uh, rolling them and smoking them, but... No, no, not, not rolling them up in rolling papers. <laughs> you know, making smoked chicken wings and yeah. pulled pork and all that. And again, it's just, it's just for fun. And yeah. then coffee, right? Oh, you yes. and I have talked we about coffee. That. Coffee's like an acceptable addiction. Although, honestly, I don't drink more than one cup a day and I don't want to for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, I have an espresso maker and all this stuff. And I'm feeling like, man, you know, should I really be spending money on this? And and here's what I did. I, I literally did this. I got out a calculator and I figured out how much money I've saved from not literally just from not buying alcohol for the last for me, it's a little over 11 years. So I thought about, you know, how much was I drinking? That's a lot of coffee beans. <laughs> how much was I paying? Right, it is. You know, what was I paying? I was drinking this much. It cost this much a bottle. And this is not. This does not include restaurant drinks at restaurants, right. special occasions, fancy, you know, liquors or whatever. This is just yeah. like daily maintenance drinking. Are you ready for this? Forty thousand dollars. Oh my. Gosh. I know. I had to do it. I had to run the number like three times. I couldn't believe it. Wow. So that's my excuse now. Do you know how much money I've saved from not drinking? Of course I need this fill in the blank. <laughs> Whatever well, it is. You need this a fancy espresso machine. My life depends on it. Now now I'm now I'm being dramatic. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. variety, doing things, having energy, literally having money that was flying away. Yeah. I didn't even didn't even calculate smoking cigarettes oh my gosh yeah I mean you're allowed to enjoy your life you know yes. you're allowed to do things that it's like we always say we did not get sober to be miserable we got That's sober right. to be happy joyous and free and to and I believe that life didn't get us sober for I mean we there was a purpose in our getting sober so that we could live this life and be of service to others and that involves having lots of fun I mean I, I totally believe in fun and doing things that we enjoy and, and that's healthy too. You know, I just gave a sermon about this on Sunday. So this is really up for me right now. It was about the Sabbath and you know, how important it is for us to take time for rest, um, which I then proceeded to do yesterday, which was really awesome. I haven't taken time to myself like that in a really long time. I went and took a hike by myself and, you know, for me with a, new husband and a uh, developmentally disabled child that I care for 24-7, time to myself is like, it's like gold, you know, I don't get a lot of it, so I really enjoy it, but um, 
I was also talking in my sermon about how important it is that we take time to do things that have no other purpose other than that we enjoy them. You know, and and what a work focused culture we are so that um, it can be very hard for many of us to take that rest time, that play time, that fun time. We feel this pressure to be constantly productive. I mean, you've probably seen the statistics. Americans work more than any other industrialized nation, work more hours, you know, take less vacation. And, you know, we wear that like a badge of honor, but it's not, you know, it's it's not healthy. And and being sober, part of being sober is living a healthy, balanced life. And so for me, balancing my work life and my responsibilities with, um, you know, other types of, like you said, variety, other types of things, things that I enjoy. Now, some of those things might also be very enriching for me. You know, they might be expanding if I'm reading about something I'm interested in or I'm practicing the piano or whatever it is that I'm pursuing. And some of it can just be fun and restful. And um, this is part of building a balanced life for ourselves. And it's an ongoing challenge for me to keep that balance, but I think it's really important. So sometimes taking effective action can mean taking time for ourselves and time to rest and practice just being. I, I agree completely. I think it's critically important. And, and that you know, we've talked a lot about the concept of balance because as an active uh, uh, addict alcoholic, I was out of balance in many ways. And so looking at life in terms of uh, am I how how close or far am I? Am I in balance? I'm out of balance. Mm -hmm. And with the goal of coming into balance with the I was thinking the exact same things you were talking about, like balancing doing and taking action with just being yes. and knowing that it's perfectly fine just to be. In fact, not only is it fine, it's essential it's just good. to be. Um, balancing what I would call go with stop. You know, it's just another mm -hmm. way of saying the same <laughs> thing. My, my spouse um, has explained that that's a, a, a way of seeing that's been helpful to her. She kind of mm -hmm. has two modes, go and stop. Yeah. And if it's okay to go when I'm going and not think I should stop. And if I'm stopped, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking I should really be doing something. If I could just be each thing, then I'm in balance, you know, in that way. And and as you were talking about accomplishment, balance with rest. Yes. So these are all ways of saying the same thing, right? Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely want to spend uh, part of my time uh, pursuing goals, you know, they might be in the working world or who knows what, and but also uh, balanced with appropriate rest or as we say, self-care, like yes. you did yesterday with the retreat. Yeah, place. that seems Absolutely. like a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. I like the sound of that. Yes. So coming into balance, effective action, uh, I guess, coupled with effective what is that decision making is that wisdom faculty you know it's it's deciding part of effective here's where i'm going with this part of effective action is being able to decide when to take action and when not to mm -hmm. it well, does it's, mean go 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 all the time right it's deciding what to do with our time especially if we have 
freed up time and energy that we used to spend on our addiction. Now we've got to determine how we're going to use that time. And so, I mean, every day we wake up, we decide how we're going to use our time, right? And so this taking effective action is learning to, um, learning to, uh, what do you call it? To manage our time, to use our time in ways that are healthy and that are uh, spiritually nourishing for us. You know, um, I was thinking about my former busyness, busyness. Um, you know, and I, I kind of think that this is a collective thing that we're addicted to a, as a culture is being busy. You know, like I say, we, we sort of wear our busyness as a badge of honor, you know, Oh, I, you know, I never sit down. I never rest. I always, you know, it's, it's all around us, you know, um, at least it is out here where I live. Now you're in the South. Things might be a little chiller over there. I don't know if you're sitting and sipping your tea on the porch or something, but no, it's <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I don't know what life is like in other parts of the country, but, um, and even, you know, where I live, Monterey is a slow, much slower pace of life than it would be up in Silicon Valley or, you know, down in Los Angeles area, you know, I, life would be even more hectic. Um, but I used to have to be busy all the time. So whenever I had any kind of downtime, I would fill it up very quickly. And that was an addiction to being busy, you know, and, it was it was a function of being uncomfortable just being uncomfortable um you know being with myself being present in the moment you know i wanted to fill everything up and also it was coupled with the fact that i was deriving my sense of value from my accomplishment right and that could yeah. be anything it could be cleaning my house it could be you know i just was like i was like a dervish you know just I had the energy back then. I could do it, you know? Right. It's a lot, um, lot of do. Yeah, just do, 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 and never be still. And, um, boy, now I just cherish my times of stillness. You know, yesterday I took this hike, and it's like it's uh, you hike out to this. I hike out to this point, and then I turn around and come back. It's kind of the trail ends. And so whenever I get out to the point, I sort of, you know, hang out there for a while for you know whatever amount of time and yesterday I took a good hour to just sit next to a creek and just listen to the creek and put my feet in the cold water and just it's a practice for me it's a spiritual practice because don't think there isn't something running somewhere in one of those scripts in the back of my mind well you should really get going now you know there's other things you could be doing so for me, it's a practice. It's something that I have to practice doing. And the more often, it's a spiritual practice, really. Um, the more that I practice it, the better I get at it. And I believe that it's deeply restorative and deeply nourishing to myself to do that, you know. Um, and I believe that that's, you know, we get closer to God and closer to our spirituality when we do take time to just be you know the spirituality is not in the busyness and so it's it's one of our slogans in the program is to you know take just this 24 hours to try to live more in the present to be present in the moment because what I didn't realize was that by being busy all the time I was missing everything you know yesterday I got to just sit there and and, you know, see the squirrels chasing each other and see a blue jay fly up and land on a branch squawking and, and feel what the cold water felt like on my feet and what the earth felt like beneath my toes. You know, I sound like a real California woo-woo now, but, yeah. you know, but just 
just experiencing those things. Whereas if I was just run, run, running, I would have missed all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Balance. You know, I'm remembering our our saying, don't quit before the miracle. And to me, when I hear that, it's talking about perseverance, but perseverance is not the same thing as like go, go, go only, right? I persevere in important things um, by taking action when it's time to take action and by resting when it's time to rest because I am more effective in the world if I'm in balance in that way. And it's mm -hmm. it's almost counterintuitive to think, well, wouldn't you, quote, get more done if you just didn't stop doing? Uh, no, I think Not the answer is no, right? because I have no perspective. I'll spend a lot of time spinning wheels, you know, doing things that don't need doing, but I don't know that because I'm not taking the time to just be and be in balance. And so I can still not quit before the miracle without burning myself out yeah. because the path is a balance of doing and being just like you're describing all those things sound wonderful taking a hike out to the points hanging out there for a while how long who knows just yeah. you know, whatever feels right following that uh, divine guidance within and then of course that ability to persevere in in the unity framework would be the power of strength and the power of strength uh, is one that we're always using like all of them and the question is am i using it in balance you know with its with its partner and yes. in, this, in this case you know we're talking about doing versus being so am i is my doing in balance with my being and vice versa because i have found when it is my you know we're talking about a vibrant life that's that's when life is really good yeah because it's in balance Absolutely. And I feel that as ministers, it's really important for us to be models for our congregation, too. You know, if people see us running around like chickens with our heads cut off, it's not setting a very good example for people, you know, and people need permission to rest. And so we can be that example by by uh, having a balanced life ourselves. We can be that model of what a balanced life, you know, can look like and and give others permission to take time to rest, too. You know, as we're growing, getting closer to the end here, I wanted to say one other thing about taking effective action, probably one of the most important things, is that um, for me, I seek spiritual guidance. You know, I seek, I seek divine guidance in all things, and sometimes in a very overt way, like literally in prayer and meditation, asking, you know, for guidance, asking to be shown what's next. Um, and also it's become such a part of my way of functioning now that sometimes it's not even over. It's sort of just, you know, I just naturally, um, I'm, I'm, how do I explain it? I'm awake and alert and paying attention to what's happening around me and what's presenting itself to me. So if I see that an opportunity keeps presenting itself to me, then that's my cue that this is what I'm being, this is the next indicated thing for me to do. You know, um, so there's different ways and we all have our own way of how we seek and follow guidance. But um, over the years, this has served me very well because there have been many times when I had to make decisions, both large and small, and it has never steered me wrong to seek that kind of spiritual guidance. Um, I do believe that 
you know, the universe is guiding me towards my highest good at all times. And this doesn't mean that there are right or wrong choices. Like we've talked about this before. I can't make a wrong choice. You know, I can maybe not heed guidance, but if I do, then like this giant GPS system, the universe just reroutes me. And so I can't really go wrong. It's just kind of a matter of how much meandering it's going to take me to get to where I'm being led. And if I do that, then there will be lessons along the way as well. Um, but just always seeking, you know, not what small self Michelle wants, what my ego self wants, but really what the universe or what God is calling me to do. And trust me, the things that God has called me to do were not on my list would never have come from my small self mind ever in a million years, but they've been infinite blessings to me. So it's happened to me enough times that I trust it now. And I've really pretty much built my life on that. I'm glad you said that because this one of those aha moments, like I should have been talking about this from the beginning. This should have been the first thing that I said. Yeah. It's so central and maybe it's that you and I are really used to it. Yeah. And it almost goes without saying, but it, it needs to be said. Yeah. And I agree completely. You know, the action that I'm talking about is divinely guided action, always yes. divinely yes. guided action. What does that mean? Well, each of us has to find out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You just kind of take a breath. Um, for me, you know, do a little rest and then go with what feels in my gut to yeah. be right. And then just keep doing that. And that is practicing taking divinely guided action but yes. we've said a whole lot about this topic now so let us step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it all up yeah. uh, the way we like to do this is to formulate a simple question and then put Reverend Michelle on the spot and say if someone came to you what are a few simple ways we're talking about putting spiritual principles into action, which seems like a weird thing to say. What are a few simple, concrete ways that I can do that in my life? What do you think? I think I can actually put this into a nutshell today. I would say, number one, suit up and show up, which means stay engaged with life, stay engaged with recovery, do your spiritual practice, do your recovery work. So just keep suiting up and showing up. Number two, seek divine guidance, what we were just talking about. You know, seek God's guidance in all things so that you're following, you know, a higher idea than your own ego-based plan. And the next thing is take the next indicated action. Just keep doing what seems to be the right and best thing to do next. You can't really go wrong with that. Suit up and show up, seek divine guidance, and take the next right indicated action. Boom. How's that for a nutshell? It's perfect. <laughs> I would just copy and paste it and say exactly the same thing. And that is something that I've learned uh, through both through unity, spiritual principles, and 12-step 12 12, 12 spirituality is to always begin by doing what we call in unity, turning within. That's that, yes. you know, taking a, a moment to notice how it is with me. You know, what is sort of going on in my body? I've, I've probably been going all day and haven't even noticed that I'm breathing. What yes. is my breathing actually look, feel, sound like? You know, just kind of chill out and just be for a little while. 
and um, at least be willing to become still. My mind certainly doesn't all of a sudden stop chattering, but my experience definitely changes uh, when I do this. So just chill out and then like exactly what you said, just do what feels like the right thing to do next and repeat like the shampoo bottle says. Rinse and repeat. It's like taking what they call the sacred pause. Yeah, that's a great phrase. Taking the sacred pause. So our affirmation that you can use today is, I seek divine wisdom and am guided to take effective action for my highest good. And once again, I seek divine wisdom and I am guided to take effective action for my highest good. As we said, always knowing that when we do that, it is for our highest good. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have. We hope that you found something in all of our ranting today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. That's why we do this. Our our fondest wish is that you have heard something that will be helpful to you on your own path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, as always. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, we do. And listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your thoughts and feedback and comments. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. It's too expensive. (laughs) Save yourself that 40000 And instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.